welcome to lucky episode number 13 of Double Take the Melon Podcast, where we indulge our intellectual curiosity and delve into big, meaty themes impacting the public markets. I'm Rafe Lewis, Director of Melon's Investigative Research Team. And I'm Jack Encarnacio, a fellow traveler in the investigative machine here at Mellon. Welcome all. On this episode, we take on a decidedly more sunny theme than pandemics and recessions and contested elections. Yes, that's right, we're talking about holiday shopping, but of course it's not all sunshine out there, sadly. The aforementioned recession and pandemic have had major impacts on where and how we buy everything from toilet paper to dinner. To better understand these changes and how long or short-lived they might be, we invited two big brains on the topic. From inside of Mellon, we have Todd Wakefield, a senior portfolio manager with more than 20 years at the firm. Todd covers plenty of ground, but a favorite area is his, in his investment universe is the consumer. And from outside of Mellon, we have Matt Powell, a senior consumer industry advisor at NPD Group, which is a consumer research firm that gathers point-of-sale data from hundreds of thousands of retail locations, as well as tens of thousands of consumer receipts as a panel, which provide deep detail into where, how, when, and what people are purchasing. All right. So let's start with Todd Wakefield, who's taking his maiden voyage here on the Good Ship Double Take. Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, guys. I'm thrilled to be on the show. I'm a big fan of the Double Take podcast. There you go. Good start. Good start, my friend. Uh, Let's start off by confirming or dispelling a widespread notion, if we could, Todd, that Black Friday shopping, which we're upon here, a most unusual one, uh, is a crucial element in fourth quarter retail sales. Is that still true? Are there still, you know, millions of people willing to crowd into malls and big box stores when we have a pandemic and when it's really easy to sit around in pajamas and click buy now? Yeah, Jack, I, I would disagree with that comment. Uh, it's still a big day for the retail industry, but um, it, it's not as, as important as it used to be. And I would say, especially for investors and for people who are listening to the media, you know, the headlines about Black Friday have been a much uh, less important indicator for for holiday sales than it has been in the past. And I think a a big part of this is the use of gift cards. And that has pushed the week after Christmas into just a huge part of the holiday season. So you really get, you know, a snippet of the holiday read from Black Friday. You know, Todd, it's funny you're saying this because to me, it feels like every day is Cyber Monday now. And, and that makes me wonder about the real estate assets of brick and mortar retailers. So how, how should we think about the physical presence of stores? Do they still need all that space or do they paradoxically need even more space to deal with things like curbside delivery and buy online, pick up in store? Well, I think your um, assertion is, is, is correct. And even more so with COVID, there's been um, comments recently from a large retailer, an omnichannel retailer who has stores and e-commerce. And they said during COVID, it felt like literally their, their, their e-commerce sales were like Cyber Monday every day. And that company with their stores has used the stores to an advantage in that they are fulfilling both in-store sales and omni-channel, or I'm sorry, e-commerce sales through the stores. So in, in their case, it's been an advantage. It's helped reduce shipping costs for them. And a lot of their customers are increasingly liking curbside um, pickup, which also has helped you know, their unit economics. I would say, though, for most companies, 
the store fleet is is a liability more than an asset. And we will continue to see, you know, stores close and a lot of retailers come under pressure because they haven't made the investments enable you know to leverage the stores in an omni-channel environment. You know, I know the question was about real estate, and that's a different direction in a way than sales and the cadence of sales and what Jack was asking about cyber, or rather about uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But, you know, th- this does raise a quick follow-up that I think is important to ask. Seasonality in retail has been pretty predictable for, you know, generations at this point. But is that something that's actually changing now and something you as an investor have to account for differently? So, so Rafe, I would say that companies who have a lot of their profitability from the holiday season still have that, even though it's maybe spread out over a longer holiday shopping period. So, you know, as an investor, I, I, I typically want to shy away from companies that have that seasonality because it's really hard to predict, you know, holiday shopping. And I'd much rather have a company that has, you know, more linear sales throughout the year and maybe less exposure to um, what tends to be apparel and, and some categories that, that are harder to forecast. That's great. So, so Todd, as we're talking, my mind's going to retail inventories. You know, you see stuff like patio heaters and badminton sets, these categories exploding in, in pandemic. Are we going to see, I don't know, an epic glut of merchandise as retailers play catch up to this unexpected demand that we've seen? Yeah, I think the exact opposite is going to happen this holiday period. I think, you know, listeners should get out and shop as soon as possible. There were a lot of orders that were, that were canceled earlier in the year when COVID spiked in March and April, and demand has come back much better than people expected. And we're going into this holiday season with, with relatively low inventories. And on top of that, there's a lot of um, bottlenecks in, in the supply chain right now. So there's a lot of inventory that retailers hope to get to customers in time for holiday that I think maybe pushed out a little bit. I think your question really is more relevant for next year. And that's going to come down to one, the health of the consumer next year, and two, how retailers plan for next year. I think, you know, some some retailers may say, hey, this is a, a new secular trend and we're going to bet we can comp the comp next year. And some are going to plan more cautiously. I think there's a much better chance that next Q4 we end up having this glut of inventory that you're talking Todd, about. Todd, can I push back on that a little? Because what if little Johnny or little Sally doesn't get their gift you know, at the winter holiday here, and the parents just cancel the orders because they're not going to show up for another two, three weeks? Isn't there some kind of inventory risk here on, on the problems that you're highlighting with the supply chain? Um, I, I say, I'd say no, because... One, I think the message is out that consumers need to shop earlier, and they are. And, you know, I guess I'd go back to like a little bigger picture. One of the attractions of e-commerce has been taking friction out of the shopping experience. And this holiday season, we're actually going to see quite a bit of friction in e-commerce. We're going to see orders canceled from retailers. We're going to see products show up maybe with missing parts or you know, other quality issues. And by and large, I think consumers are going to accept it because right now they're just, they're happy to get product. You know, during COVID, um, a lot of consumers may have accepted quality and prices that they wouldn't have accepted in the past. And I think if the prospect is getting the gift 
a week after Christmas versus not getting a gift at all, they're going to wait that extra week. And I think, you know, as an investor, what, I, what I'm looking for, I mean, I love consumer companies that have high net promoter scores. And this is, you know, a score that basically tells you how many customers would recommend the product uh, to a friend or family member. I think those companies that can maintain high net promoter scores during this time of COVID are going to keep a lot of these new customers they've gotten. And I think a lot of companies who maybe disappoint the customer next year, they're not, they're not going to keep those consumers. So that, that is really factoring heavily into how we're thinking about our investments in consumer companies today. Now, Todd, there are products, um, I guess I should ask you, are there products that folks never really bought unless they could feel and look at them physically that are now migrating heavily online? What does that mean for legacy retailers who used to welcome folks that was a big part of their value proposition to come in and actually touch the merchandise? Yeah, what we're seeing with consumers is um, much less in need uh, to touch and feel a product, especially big ticket products. And I, there's no better example than the auto industry where um, used cars, typically the consumer would want to go in and drive it and at least take a look at it and make sure it's not a lemon. And we've seen success, um, albeit off low numbers, but really dynamic growth for some, for some new e-commerce companies who are, are addressing this opportunity in used cars. I'll go back to my friction comments. I think why these companies are so successful is that the buying process for something like a used car has been awful. The consumers hated it. So if a company's able to come out and offer the consumer a better experience, they're willing to forego you know, having to, to look at the car in a physical location. So you're saying, Todd, that those commercials I've been seeing all my life where there's literally a car in the driveway on Christmas morning with a bow around it, something that I have yet to find a human being who's ever experienced, they're probably out there, maybe actually will happen now because it's just a frictionless one touch, be here on Christmas Day? Absolutely. And, and I would say the younger generations that are, that are affecting a, a larger and larger part of the spending in this country, millennials and Gen Z, they are much more willing to buy like that and not actually touch the product. They, they rely a lot in reviews online, and that's increasingly becoming more, you know, important in the buying or, or in the selling process. You know, Todd, the unemployment rate has been coming back a bit over the last few months, but it's still darn elevated relative to where it had been. And, you know, uh, you know, why should we expect this to be a holiday period, anything like what we saw in 2019 or 2018? Well, what I've learned over my career is that, you know, holiday spending usually happens. Um, the only time I can remember it really being down was in 2008 in the midst of the great financial crisis. And at that time, a lot of the stimulus was aimed at um, capital markets and not directly at consumers. During COVID, we've, we've gotten significant stimulus directed at consumers, and we've, we've had elevated savings rates that I think can cushion some of the unemployment, at least during this holiday season. Well, Todd, we want to thank you so very much for lending your career of investment experience uh, to Double Take as we look upon a most unusual Black Friday. There's some things to look for and some things that might remain just the same. So we really appreciate you getting us started this, this time around. It's been a pleasure, guys. Have a great one. 
Welcome back, folks. So I'm just going to put it out there. Todd Wakefield is one of my favorite human beings. He's big into charity and philanthropic causes. His faith guides his actions. He's a seriously astute fellow. You know, I personally always get a kick out of what's banging around between his ears, and I'm I'm just plain stoked that we finally had him on the podcast. But that said, let's turn this sonic battleship and dive deeper into the fast-evolving world of retail and the consumer with our next guest, Matt Powell. So Matt has more than 40 years experience in the retail and research industries, having counseled some of the world's biggest brands and retailers. He's a frequent speaker at major industry events, and in short, he knows whereof he speaks. Matt's particular focus is in the outdoor, running, paddle, and snow sports categories, as well as cycling and team sports. But he actually has visibility across a a really broad spectrum of consumer retail trends, thanks to his perch at MPD. Matt, welcome. Thanks. Uh, Great to be here. Well, Matt, we're heading into a most unusual holiday shopping season, of course. The seasonality that so many brick-and-mortar retailers count on to put them in the black for the year is going to be anything but certain. We're seeing retailers plan, you know, single-file lines for Black Friday, if they're doing Black Friday at all in person, with social distancing in place, and some retailers that traditionally launch the Black Friday shopping season on Thanksgiving are opting not to do that and closing this Thanksgiving I think we all expect less crowded malls, but I suppose the question is, in your mind, how much less? And and how are you envisioning the customers and the categories you follow behaving differently in the midst of a pandemic? Well, there's no question that uh, uncertainty is the uh, word of the day. Um, uh, we are we are, th- are really feeling that this holiday is changing as on the fly, um, as uh, as we're seeing cases increase, hospitalizations increase. Um, we're beginning to hear of gov- governors who are going to. Uh, impose new shutdowns or lockdowns, uh, and how that all plays out remains to be seen. Probably, probably the biggest change that we are looking at when we think about holiday is that it's going to be an extended season. Uh, we really believe that holiday kicked off a couple of weeks ago with Amazon Prime Week. Many retailers and brands responded to the Prime event uh, by running promotions of their own, um, which boosted their business early. Um, I agree with you. I think Black Friday is going to be very disappointing in the physical store side. And then we really face what is an impending uh, issue around uh, shipping. And will the uh, shipping companies be able to uh, keep up with the demand? Um, And will there be earlier cutoff dates than we typically see, which may force people back into stores? So it's a a wild one. Um, We do think the business is going to increase this year, uh, uh, but uh, there really uh, are a whole lot of wild cards that are, are, are making it very difficult to put a hard number on that. You know, Matt, on the shipping front, what I wonder is if a lot of the retailers are putting in orders earlier than they normally would, given what we're you know expecting from this shopageddon, you know, shopocalypse. <laughs> and <laughs> does that put them in a potentially perilous position if the uh, business doesn't show up the way uh, folks are expecting? Well, it's interesting. I think that uh, in most cases, the retailers placed their orders some time ago. Um, the, typically, retail, uh, at least on the apparel side uh, and on the equipment side, does does not react quickly like, say, the grocery business might. And so, it, it, it they, they've cast their lot some weeks ago. And um, I think in many cases, the retailers and brands have played it uh, safe. 
um, saying we'd rather sell out and make profit on what we're sold than to have too much and and lose business, lose profit, because we have to take a lot of markdowns to clear. Matt, it's almost like you're Johnny on the spot at the moment, because we've spent the past six or seven months cooped up in our houses. Thanks to the pandemic and during that time, sales of outdoor and sports-related products seem to have been very strong. Can you give us a deeper view? I mean, how momentous has this pandemic been for the categories you hold nearest and dearest? So uh, the home fitness business, for instance, really uh, took off almost from day one. Uh, As soon as states began to shut down gyms, uh, the gym rats went out and bought a piece of equipment for their home, maybe two. Um, And that business has been up quite strongly all year. It slowed a little bit in recent months, we think more because of shortages. Um, No one uh, could have planned that the business would have uh, been as strong as it's been. So there clearly are shortages out there on home fitness equipment. The same thing happened in cycling. Um, And for a period of time, uh, my store visits, um, there were no bicycles available in major retailers across the spectrum. Um, that, That has come back a little bit. But again, there's still inventory shortages. The outdoor industry is an interesting one. Parts of the outdoor business have been quite strong. Uh, And what we're describing is sort of backyard outdoor activities. We're getting outside, being with the family. Uh, So grills and coolers and hammocks and recreational tents, the kind of tent your kids can sleep in in the backyard, um, all very, very strong. Um, The climbing business, which had been really good going into the pandemic, slowed up dramatically. Um, That was being driven by people going to climbing clubs, and uh, those obviously got shut down in the lockdown. Um, One of the other hot categories in outdoor were um, uh, personal hydration bottles or water bottles. But as since people were not commuting or working in an office, the need for a new water bottle went, went out the window. So that business got hurt pretty badly. And then the hiking shoe business has been really good at, uh, in recent months. And, and that's encouraging that uh, we may see a good, a good season around outdoor apparel and footwear. But hiking, we think, is one of the categories that benefits from the uh, pandemic. We think that the consumer is going to be very focused on living healthy lifestyles coming out of this. When we think about the casualties of the pandemic, many of those folks were had pre-existing conditions, overweight smokers and so forth. Um, and we think people are going to be more focused than ever on it, living healthy lifestyles. And we think that social distancing will remain as an important uh, social change. And so activities that you can do uh, outdoors, um, uh, that you can do um, uh, socially distant, uh, we think are going to be winners. So we're looking at running footwear, hiking footwear. The canoe and kayak business has been really good. The bicycle business has been really good, as I mentioned. And so these are these are sea changes in these categories. And, uh, you know, it's funny you mention all this, Matt, because just as uh, you're speaking, I'm getting all kinds of noise from outside of my home from all all kinds of outdoor activity <laughs> going on around me. So forgive the uh, forgive the ambient noise, folks. But um, I, I, I want to bore down on this a little bit because it sounds like, you know, your your wager here is that this is a sustainable phenomenon and not kind of a one-time, uh, you know, bolus of demand based on the fact that we're all cooped up. What, can you go a little deeper into why, you know, you, you see this as a sustainable change with the consumer and not just a, you know, a reaction to being locked down? Sure. Well, I think 
there will be, I think, a lull to the business. I don't expect it to grow at its current rate. I mean, if you, for instance, if you bought a treadmill in June, you don't need a treadmill for three, four, five years. So, uh, you know, I think that the, some of that bulge in the business that we saw uh, is not sustainable. But uh, going back to what I what I was saying earlier, I think that there there will be a renewed interest in living healthy lifestyles, in being fit, in taking better care of ourselves. Uh, and so, I think that sustains. And and then I think things you can do outside. People feel safer outside doing activities than than being in a closed space. And I think uh, I think that's sustainable as well. So I, I don't expect the growth rates to continue at the high level that they're at, but I do expect these categories to continue to grow. Matt, if we can look at the flip side of that coin, perhaps, are there parts of your coverage that were hurt in the pandemic? You know, it just seems at a broad stroke, looking at what you cover, that most of it are beneficiaries of the things you've talked about, wanting to be outside and distant and do recreation outdoors. Have there been sources of pain within your coverage? And do you expect those sources of pain to persist or are they just uh, acute effects of the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we we have seen across the board, not just in the sports categories, but across the board, real weakness in footwear and apparel uh, and accessories. And we think that there is a consolidation that's happening in people's minds about their wardrobes. You know, you go back 10, 15 years ago, uh, we, we had multiple wardrobes, right? We had a wardrobe for work and we had a wardrobe for the weekend and we had a wardrobe for working out um, and maybe we had a special occasion wardrobe. And now it's down to one and it's cozy and comfy and things that I can do uh, yoga in or work out in if I want to. And so we, we've seen these multiple wardrobes really consolidate down to one wardrobe. Uh, and I think that's driven the the, uh, the the business backwards. And the same thing with footwear, by the way. So uh, I think that um, the, those businesses have been really hurt. They likely will be the first businesses that start to um, come back as we come out of this. In prior recessions, we have seen these categories uh, sink first and and get hot first uh, as we come out of it. So um, the uh, the opportunity here, I think, is, is that business will come back. Uh, but for right now, it's uh, it's really been hurt badly. So why don't we pivot a little bit from kind of what folks are buying to kind of where and, and how they're buying? You folks at uh, at MPD do a lot of research into the consumer, of course. So, you know, why don't you help us understand how the consumer's kind of mindset has changed over the course of this pandemic? You know, are, are there are there categories that used to have a very small percentage of, of purchases being made digitally that now have a large percentage uh, that are happening kind of uh, via e-commerce? And, you know, what about curbside pickup? Is that something that's here to stay? And do people actually like it or is it just kind of a, a function of what you have to do? Well, there's no question that uh, every category that we track e-commerce uh, specifically in, in the NPD universe, and we, we track about 20 different industries, every single one that we're tracking it has shown a, a surge in the business. For instance, in, in footwear uh, last year, uh, about 30% of all sneakers were bought online, and uh, we think this year that number is going to settle out at 40%. We had predicted last year that it would grow to about 50% in five to 10 years. We now think that timeline has moved up three to five years in three to five months. And so uh, significant sea change in, in consumer behavior. There's no question that uh, BOPUS uh, curbside both us being buy online, pick up in store, and curbside pickup have both surged as well. We're having more things delivered 
I'm, I'm the cook in my house, and I was always a snob about going out and buying uh, and picking out exactly the piece of meat that I wanted or the piece of fish and, and the vegetables that I bought. And today, I'm, I just got a delivery from Whole Foods, uh, and I'm buying from them virtually every day. And I'm a little disappointed sometimes with what I'm getting, but you know what? I feel very safe about doing it, and that's that is weighing over my snobbishness, if you will. So, we think consumers have learned new behaviors, whether it's buying sneakers or groceries online, um, and we don't think they go back. You asked about uh, categories that have surged. Uh, a, a really funny one, but but, but I, when I tell you, you're going to be you're going to say sure. The slipper business has been absolutely sensational, uh, and, and so uh, people at home uh, staying comfortable and comfort is comfort is a massive word right now um, in in apparel and footwear cozy things, whether it's uh, the pajama business has been very good. Again, staying home and being cozy. Uh, the sweatshirt and sweatpant business has been really strong. Um, the sports bra business has been very strong. And I think that's more about comfort than it is about uh, needing a bra to work out in. Um, so, um, yes, there are some there are some sort of smaller, more obscure categories like slippers that have been uh, absolutely terrific. Well, I'll tell you, I'm in my formal hoodie right now, so I've tried to <laughs> diversify that portfolio you're as zoom, well as possible. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, we all have our Zoom wardrobes. I think that's the absolute truth, the uh, button-up we reach for uh, in, in a rush, but uh, in a hurry. So, Matt, um, take us, if you can, into your mind when you picture the mall, the physical retail space this holiday season. It's got a, it has to look different. We've gotten a sense from many prominent retailers of how they're going to handle traffic flow and, as mentioned earlier, how they're going to try to maintain social distancing at a time where, you know, social distancing is hardly in keeping with the Black Friday tradition that we know in this country. How do you think it's going to look and feel through the holiday season to shop in person? How are stores physically going to alter their spaces to deal with a new reality? And will any of those adjustments last? Yeah, so I, you know, so they're, they're going to have to have fewer racks on the floor so that there's more ability for people to space out. Um, uh, I think that we'll see fewer people in malls, as you as you said, um, that which will drive more business to the internet. Uh, I think retail retail stores are already starting to convert themselves into uh, fulfillment centers, either for online delivery or for uh, curbside pickup. Uh, it, it will be a dramatically different world. But that said, we're always going to have physical stores, um, and the, the, their use, their purpose may change to be more focused on experience and, and to be a, to test the product, to try the product, and less about fulfillment, um, for instance. Uh, I think also that the lines between online and physical store continue to blur. Uh, for instance, a, a buy online, pick up in store. The purchase initiated online, but it culminated in the physical store. So which is it, an online purchase or a physical store purchase? And I have retailers who argue, well, it started online, so that's where it goes. And other retailers just say, no, it, it involved a store associate, so we're going to assign it to a store's number. And so the the lines are clearly blur, blurring between a physical purchase and an online purchase, um, and we may not even talk about that in the, in the future because uh, because it's become so blurry. But there there clearly will always be a need for physical stores, and uh, we have far too many stores today selling too much of the same stuff, and we're going through a very painful um, rationalization to that. But uh, I think these stores are always going to exist, but they'll they'll be operated differently than than they are today. That's that's very helpful. I would think, you know, putting two and two together from everything you just said, it sounds to me like 
perhaps the retailers who do the best job at fulfillment and kind of customer support and making this an easy, as frictionless as possible, are probably going to win the day. Well, last one here, Matt. Um, you know, uh, from what I gather, NPD has a product that purports to offer an early indicator of, of retail economic activity. So, you know, kind of pull out your crystal ball a little bit here. Tell us, looking into 2021, you know, uh, you know, what is the what does the future hold for being able to make the, and beat these comps and, uh, you know, uh, look onward and upward? Now, we've been spending a lot of time on our future of footwear and future of apparel studies, and we think next year is going to be better than this year, uh, but we don't think it hits 19 levels. Um, and we think it'll be 22 or 23 before we actually hit uh, 2019 levels again. So it's going to be a slow slog to get back. And actually, I, I think this is an opportunity for brands uh, and retailers to take a step back and talk about, oh, what do I want to look like on the other side of this? What kind of company do I want to be? How many locations can I pair out? How do I improve my systems and my website to, to make that uh, purchase uh, interaction more um, frictionless, as you said, uh, and, 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 and not try to grow back to 19 levels overnight? I think, I think we need a little bit of a break here and, and uh, to reinvent the business uh, as, we, uh, as we think about where it's going. Matt Powell from NPD, tremendous to have you. Thanks so much for your insights, and we look forward to seeing what the other side of this looks like. I think that's a unanimous sentiment. So thanks for helping us chart the course a bit here on Double Take. You bet. Thanks for having me. Mellon Investments Corporation is a registered investment advisor and subsidiary of the Bank of New York Mellon Corporation. Any statements of opinion constitute only current opinions of Mellon, which are subject to change and which Mellon does not undertake to update. This podcast, or any portion thereof, may not be copied or distributed without prior written approval from the firm. Statements are correct as of the date of the material only. This recording may not be used for the purpose of an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction or in any circumstances in which such offer or solicitation is unlawful or not authorized. The information in this recording is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any purchase or sale of any specific security. Some information contained herein has been obtained from third-party sources that are believed to be reliable but the information has not been independently verified by Mellon. Mellon makes no representations as to the accuracy or the completeness of such information. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee returns or eliminate risk in any market environment, and past performance is no indication of future performance. The indices referred to herein are used for comparative and informational purposes only and have been selected because they are generally considered to be representative of certain markets. Comparisons to indices as benchmarks have limitations because indices have volatility and other material characteristics that may differ from the portfolio, investment, or hedge to which they are compared. The providers of the indices referred to herein are not affiliated with Mellon, do not endorse, sponsor, sell, or promote the investment strategies or products mentioned herein, and they make no representation regarding the advisability of investing in the products and strategies described herein. Please see Mellon.com for important index licensing information. CFA and Chartered Financial Analyst are registered trademarks owned by CFA Institute. For more market perspectives and insight from our teams, please visit www.mellon.com.